Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, So as followers of Jesus, our lives should be ordered around three things. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. That's what uh, discipleship or apprenticeship really looks like. You, you, You sit around your master or sensei or teacher then you, you become like him because we start to become like who we spend our time with. And then we start doing what our master does. Uh, if you want to know what to worship, as I've often said, check your schedule and check your budget. Where are you spending most of your time? That's what you're worshiping. And that's what's forming you. Where are you spending your money? That's what you're worshiping. And that's what's forming you. And one of the primary ways to be with Jesus is through prayer. And prayer, as I've said in the last two weeks, is not an end to itself. Rather, it's a means to an end. And the end is to be with the Father. That's why we pray, to be with the Father. Not for prayer's sake. Not another religious gimmick. Not something to just tick the boxes of, oh, I prayed today. No, prayer is an end, uh, is a means to an end. And the end being to be with the Father. Yet it is so easy to make prayer what it is not. It's so easy, you know, either you come from uh, um, a background where prayer was so common. If you you grew up going to church, you probably prayed every day. Or even, you know, whatever uh, religious background you might have come from, probably prayer was, was a common practice. So it's easy for it to become just another uh, religious ritual for some people come from that background but for others it's also easy for prayer to just become so impossible because secularism is the air that that, that, that people are breathing in in our culture nowadays does God exist and if God exists does he even care and so if secularism is all around us it could make prayer just so difficult uh, because you know people are frustrated wondering does it really matter what difference does it make so it's easy for for us to lose the the picture of what prayer has always been about and so i want to emphasize that primarily prayer is about being with the father we're called to be with the so maybe for similar reasons, for, for similar reasons why prayer is difficult, uh, but as, the, uh, as those for the disciples, we need to ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. At, at some level, I think I need to learn how to pray, and I can only learn from Jesus. I, I just have a, I, I have a hunch that you probably need to learn how to pray too. 
right? So at some level, we, we all have difficulty with prayer. No one's, no one's um, oh, yeah, that's a bad phrase. I kind of use it. <laughs> no one's doing so well at prayer, you know? It's like, oh, man, my, my prayer life is, is the bomb. So we all kind of need to learn. I think someone's known more, yeah, anyway. So, so, so we've been learning from Jesus how to, oh, there was a baby dedication to happen. We will do it. I just, I just saw the child. I just saw the child. You are not forgotten. Oh, wow. Uh, someone better remind me. Okay, so where were we? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, we need to learn how to pray. So we'll be learning from Jesus' own teaching on prayer and the stories that he grew up around. So Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, oh, sorry. Do, do you all mind reading this with me? Let's read this part together. Let's start. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's the prayer that Jesus taught. It's become known as the Lord's Prayer. And I want, I, I want us to uh, continually draw four important things from it. One, that God is our Father. Jesus wants you to approach God as a Father, meaning He cares, He loves you, He thinks about you, He's full of compassion towards you. He wants to spend time with you. He delights in you. He enjoys your company. Every time you go to pray, remember these things. The image you have of God will make or break your prayer life. Two, that God's name is set apart. That He is the only source. He is the true source of life. Before you ask anything, before, that we will love the Father more than the gifts He gives. Before you ask for anything, just bring your heart to a place that you realize He is the true source of joy. He is the true source of love. That the things happen when we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus believes that God is inviting us to partner with him to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. To bring the kingdom in Nakuru as it is in heaven. Things happen when we pray. Every time we pray, we are joining the Holy Spirit in bending reality towards the will of God. So keep praying. And then we get to the part that we mistakenly always make prayer all about. The asking for things. And probably you've been there. When we get to this part, today we do. And you know what? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus believes that yes, you should bring your needs and your wants before your father. He actually does care. So the things you need and, and the things you work, ask God uh, uh, for them. This is what is called intercessory prayer. When we are petitioning God, 
when we're asking, hey, could this happen? When we're praying for people, when we're praying for ourselves, when we're praying that the things, uh, that the desires of our hearts are fulfilled, intercession, that's what we're going to talk about today. And so should we ask God for things? Questions like, um, you know, if He already knows what we need, because Jesus says the Father already knows what you need. If He already knows what we need, what is the point? Should we even ask God for them? How should we ask God for things? And does it even make a difference? That's what we'll talk about. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal the Father's heart to us uh, individually and as a community. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll bring encouragement. Father, come and, and just continue being uh, with your children. Amen. So to answer that, I, wanna, I, I want us to go back to one of the stories that shaped Jesus' worldview. As Jesus was growing up in, in his culture, he heard certain stories from his community. These are the stories that shaped his worldview. And even as he comes to teach on prayer, these are the stories that shaped him. So, um, you know, of course he grew up hearing the, the story of, of creation and the story of uh, Adam and Eve in Genesis and, and how lack of uh, trusting God made them, made them uh, sin and, and things went wrong. And then, of course, God being a loving father uh, sets in motion um, uh, a process for redemption. And he chooses one, 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 one family. And they also rebel against God. And this is a story of the Old Testament. This is a story that must have been told to Jesus as he grew up, as he went to synagogue. These are the things he kept hearing. These are the things that shaped his worldview. These are the things that shaped the worldview of the people listening to him. So he's aware of that. So this family uh, that God chose to be part of the, uh, the story of redemption for the whole world um, rebels against God in one, and so many times. I'll just pick one of those. Uh, they had been delivered from, from slavery. They, they, were, uh, they were now um, in the desert journeying with God, and they rebel again, and God gets a little upset. Maybe too, uh, let, well, I don't know. Anyway, so this is in Exodus 32, 7 to 14. The Lord said to Moses, so they've just rebelled again. The Lord said to Moses, go down because your people, no longer his people, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Not even a full cow. Sorry, that's not that. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they're stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, uh, his God. Lord, he said, why should, you, why should your anger burn against your people? Whose people are these? Whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with an evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and, and to wipe them off the face of the earth? 
Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on people the disaster he threatened. <laughs> so God is upset, and he's, it's not their people anymore. It's not his people anymore. It's all, it, they're all Moses' people. He brought them out. And I like that, I like that at some point God's go, God goes, leave me alone. You know, um, there's a guy who says that this is God processing his emotions with a friend. Just leave me alone. And, and, you know, if you're in any close relationship, you know how often we like to do that. When, when really we don't want to be left alone. Leave me alone. I'll just, you know, we're done. And God says, yeah, I'm done with them. I'll destroy them. Here's one thing in his mind. Here's one thing in his mind. And then Moses, Moses intercedes. Moses goes, okay. <laughs> then Moses this, does this thing where he reminds God that actually these are your people. You delivered them. And come on, what will it look like to the world? Don't do this. Don't do this. And guess what? God listens to him and changes his mind. You know, other versions of uh, Scripture say God repented which I've often said is about changing your mind and going into a different direction, thinking about things differently. And sometimes we want to struggle with that, but that's what it says. God listened to Moses and changed his mind. This, you know, let's, let's not explain that away. This is a story that, uh, that, that formed Jesus' worldview. <clears throat> Jesus knows that our prayers move God. Your prayers move God. In fact, that's because He is a loving Father. It all starts from there, that He's a loving Father, full of mercy, full of compassion. If anyone is as full of mercy and compassion as our Father, of course they will listen. Even when they're so mad, they will listen. And your prayers move God, so don't stop praying. He is not any less God because he listens and even sometimes takes our ideas. He's not any less God. In fact, it makes him that big of a father. It makes him that big of a father that he comes down and says, what do you think? He made an invitation. Come, let us reason together, because he's that good of a father. It doesn't make him any less God to reason with us. And that's what intercession is. He's a good father, and our prayers move him. And your prayers make a difference. I think this is the same, this is the same truth Jesus was embracing when again he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. Still he prayed, Father, take this cup away from me. Jesus is saying, this is what I would want. Even in submission, because he later says, but your will and not mine be done. Even as we're invited to submit to the Father, he would like to hear, what do you think? What's in your heart? What do you want? What do you need? And Jesus knows this. Even as he is in the garden, 
He says, if it were up to me, maybe you could do it different. But your will be done. He's fully submitted to God. He's not afraid of praying for what he wants. He knows that his prayers makes a difference. He's inviting us to be aware that our prayers make a, make a difference. Your prayers can turn the trajectory of your life. Your prayers can turn the trajectory of your family's life, of the, 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 the trajectory of the world around us. You really do need to ask the Father for what you need. He listens. And, and sometimes he changes his mind and goes, just like he said to Moses, I do, it's not said that he said this. It's like, maybe that's a good idea. Let me have, let me, let me, let's do it differently because you've prayed. And as I said, uh, I think two weeks ago, God answering our prayers is not a charade. He doesn't just do what he was going to do anyway. No, he really is interested. Maybe this is what Peter knew after, after hanging out with Jesus for so long. This is what Peter knew when he wrote, cast your burdens and cares to the Lord because he actually does care. Maybe this is what James, the brother of Jesus, knew. And as he writes to the church, he says, you have not because you ask not. God actually is interested. The Father would like to hear. What if you have not because you ask not? How many of us just don't pray? Don't ask God for anything because either because you doubt or, or you're disappointed or you've been praying for one thing for way too long and you're done. How many of us just don't even think God still heals? And so we never pray for healing when we're sick or we never pray for people when they're sick. We're just like, yeah, oh, I hope you get well. How many of us just don't pray? And yes, it's a conversation to be had. Unanswered prayers is a conversation to be had. And we will next week. Not that I will have any answers to unanswered prayers. But what if a bigger tragedy or an equal tragedy is unsaid prayers? What if that's another tragedy that people just don't ask? And James the brother of the Lord um, and, and, a, and a leader in the early church was keen to tell people that maybe you don't have because you don't ask. So when Jesus comes to teaching about prayer, I know that this is, this is on his heart, in his memory. He knows that the people listening to him are aware of this story. And so he reminds them, to tell their father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we also forgive. So let's go back to Jesus' own teaching. Back to Luke 11. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight. Why are people awake at midnight? There's a curfew. And say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. 
A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. Ah, that's why. Because this friend was traveling and then curfew, so they had to stay. Um, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer them. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much bread as you want. Just stop knocking on my door. Here is bread. See you tomorrow. Or not. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, <laughs> will give him a scorpion? That's a weird one. If you then, if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> thanks Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's like, and, and it's, he, he, he uses this um, a, a poetic style of speaking. Ask, uh, seek, knock, because if you ask, You'll be answered. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, he's repeating because this is the main point. He wants us to get it. That it matters for you to ask. That it matters for you to seek. That it matters for you to knock. Imagine your neighbor. You're just a bother. You're too much. And, and they say, just give him what he wants. Give her what he wants. Uh, she wants. There's, a, there's an old... Uh, uh, Kenyan tune. Hata majirani, wamechoka kumuona, noa husema, funge ni milango. Exactly. So, okay, so, so for everyone else, so it's a story of a, of a lady whose husband has just been so irresponsible, so she's been reduced to begging from neighbors, and the neighbors hear and go, oh, she's here again. And some of her neighbors probably just say, just give it to her and let's lock the door before she remembers she doesn't have this, right? But even if, if, if your neighbors will give to you because of your shameless audacity, how much more will the Father in his compassion answer your prayers? How much more will a Father who loves you, who cares for you, who has mercy over you, respond to you. Imagine fathers here that are not always good. There's always stuff competing in our hearts. There's limitation of resources. Sometimes you're just tired, but your kid just saw you at home in that. You're just like, oh, please. Sometimes your kid doesn't know you're not the richest person on earth. Yet they ask. And you're good enough. How much more will a father who is not limited, whose love is incomparable, 
how much more will he respond? So, what is Jesus teaching you? Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask, 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 and ask again. Actually, ask God shamelessly. Ask God for what you want shamelessly. Some of us are too modest. Like, ah, maybe I should just ask for this. Some of us are too spiritual. Like, oh, we, we're created to please God. True. Yet the Father delights in, in His children and wants to please them too. So ask, ask, ask. Oh, ask again. Ask shamelessly from a Father who loves you. Your prayers move Him. Your prayers can change the trajectory of things. So, some of us have doubted, does God really care? Some of us have grown tired because you've asked a lot and Jesus says, ask again. The Father does love you. And, and He loves you enough to not always give us everything we pray for. So that's good. He doesn't always give us everything we pray for. And also, that also means be careful what you pray for. You might just get answered. So Jesus is encouraging you. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. The Father delights in you. And even better, ask for the Holy Spirit. Keep asking for the Father's Spirit in you. Because through the Spirit of God, we know what is in the Father's heart. And we can pray, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what intercession is about. Petitioning the Father. Petitioning the King. Partnering with God to bend reality to His will. Partnering with God to create a future. Here's a quote for someone who describes it really well. Walter Wink says, Intercession is a spiritual defiance of what is in the name of what God has promised. Intercession visualizes an alternative future to, that the, to the one apparently faded by the momentum of current contradictory forces. The message is clear. History belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Prayer is not always about saying yes. Sometimes it's about contending with God. And saying, I really would not like that to be. While submitting fully to his will. Just like Moses did. And went, no, 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 no. These are your people. Don't do that. So this week I encourage you, pray harder. Pray bolder. Pray confidently. Even in humility. Ask, 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 oh, ask again. Ask shamelessly. 
Petition the Father who fully cares for you, even as you fully submit to his will. Because he cares. If, if you've been in a season of doubt, and we all go through that. I, we all go through that. And it's important to just admit that sometimes. Let your community pray over you and for you. I keep saying that this is not a solo sport. Let your community pray with you, for you, and over you. And let's be honest, intercession is not a common place for a lot of believers. You know, just thinking what will happen will happen. So I want to give you another idea this week that might help. And the thing about the techniques I'm giving, they're not, they're not the rule of the thumb. They're just tools that I hope could help. And so try them out. If they don't work for you, don't do them. What you must certainly get yourself to doing is making prayer part of your rhythm. So as the band comes back on stage, I'll just read this idea out and write it down. Try it out on your own and try it out with your small community. You know, intercession hasn't been part of so many believers' life. And, you know, let's be honest. How many people, when, they told, when someone asks, will you pray for me? We always all go, yeah, I will. How many do? Oh, that's amazing. We have three wonderful followers of Jesus. What's happening with the rest of us? No, okay. <laughs> no, the point, it's, it's not... <laughs> That was a joke. So, um, but we need to cultivate this into our lives. How many tried uh, the, the examine in the last week? How many tried it? Amazing. We have two people who actually come to church. So, yeah. So, uh, um, maybe to help with intercession, you could use what are called prayer cards. This, you know, really what they are, cards with people's names or things you're praying about. So just have a title on it. If someone says, hey, will you pray for me? And you really do want to pray for them, add a card for them and ask them, what exactly would you like me to pray for? Then take, you know, some 15 minutes in the week and actually pull out those cards and pray. So that's, that's something I'd like you to try this week. But you have to schedule some time. It doesn't just happen. We don't just accidentally find ourselves praying. Or sometimes we do wake up. You know, it's both and. Make the prayer specific. Don't, don't, don't just make generic prayers. Make the prayers very specific. So if someone does ask you for prayer, ask them exactly what they would like you to pray for. If you're praying for uh, your family, pray very specifically. So some of the prayer cards you could have, um, you know, one for your family, one for you, one for a friend, one for the church, and, and, um, and one for this nation. Or just one of those, if that's too much. And if it's going to be one of those, uh, don't, don't let it be just for you. <laughs> let it be for you and one more. 
if you're going to pray for this church community, because we would like you to, to make it specific, here are some of the things I would invite you to pray for Trinity Vineyard. That God's presence would continue to be with us. That people would still walk into these premises and feel that their Father is with them. That they would find family, not just because we are friendly people, but I hope we are, but because the Father is present. The second thing, um, we're in a very huge conversation about the property here. The owner would like to sell it, we would like to buy it. But only God can provide the kind of funds he's asking for. So please pray for us. What this would mean to us is, is con to continue having a home that serves this city. I love that walking into those gates, you'll find all kinds of people, even during the week. Some just resting from the scorching heat. Some just recently freed out of prison. Some working here. Some just bangaizing, you know, just, you know. I love that on Sunday, after this celebration ends, there's a group of people journeying through recovery that always meet. I have never gathered them. They know that this is their home. I love that so many families have found food bags for the week. I love that so many of you have found friends, would like to keep that. And then I'd, I'd like you to pray that we will continue being a light to our city. That this will continue being a place of refuge for the weak and also a place where truth is spoken boldly. We are in a, in a time where it is not favorable to speak the truth anymore. So we want to be a place where we'll speak truth boldly. A place where lives are truly transformed. Not just a good Sunday gathering, but a place where lives are truly transformed. And lastly, pray for the team, for fresh ideas, for creativity, for faithfulness, both to you, to each other, and to God, and the tools we need to keep doing what, what, what God has allowed us to do together.